Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project and part three, would you believe it, of our Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind summary review reflection. In the last episode, we spoke about the scientific revolution a lot. So we spoke about sexuality, racism, colonization, uh, sexual assault, feminism. There were so many different issues we touched on and all extremely important things to talk about, especially how to resolve many of those issues, create more equitable outcomes for marginalized communities and how history has made its mark on the world we live in today. In this episode, we're going to be talking more about some of those things, especially capitalism, the society that so much of us in the Western world live within, colonization, and are we actually any happier as a result of all of this shit that we have done to build progress for ourselves or to progress society, to create a growing human species? Are we any happier for it? That is the mission of today's episode. But we are firstly going to start from where we left off, and that is talking about authentic culture, what it means to have culture identity now, and how that has been impacted by the conquering of different territories by various empires within the world. In many societies across many different parts of the world, cultures, original cultures have been destroyed and added to with the introduction of other cultures to then create new cultures it's like a melting pot of different cultures all sorts of civilizations may have absorbed numerous contributions from different people who have conquered that place and over time this has developed to what it is today the reason I found this part of the book so interesting was because when we talk about how to resolve the traumatic impacts of colonization and the generational trauma that causes for so many people, I'm often at a loss of words for how you effectively solve that problem. And although not every colonization experience is the same, uh, it did help to provide a perspective on how other countries or areas of the world have had to work through it often that process is extremely traumatic and creates these unequitable gaps in society that we need to fill today and the idea of identity I would imagine is extremely difficult you know to to have one part of who you are be rooted in this culture and another part of who you are rooted in another and trying to decide not which one you are because there's no choice it's you are both and I think it's important to embrace all parts of yourself and to hopefully feel safe within all parts of yourself but it's difficult and it's stressful to accept yourself and then often to be accepted by everyone as well and we spoke about this in a recent episode myself and Haya who she is the founder of a business called Masala Bazaar, which essentially brings South Asian entrepreneurs together in a place where they can network and feel supported and help each other out. And it's also just a network for 
entrepreneurs generally as well. But we spoke about the idea of identity and how entrepreneurship or owning your own business is such a, might be a more favorable route for someone who has come to a new country, has immigrated to a new country because they can then design their own identity within their business rather than fitting into one in a workplace. And I see some similarities there with the idea of identity and how in many of these places that were colonized, you have, you've had to give up some local tradition, not at your choice. And slowly this happened over time, but then also relate to this new identity. Um, And even if that's hundreds of years later, I think those impacts still exist. The book gives many examples of people in these situations where they have had to wrestle with two types of identities in order to be accepted and how the psychological long-term impacts of this can be quite detrimental. And this has happened in multiple cultures across the world within other parts of Europe where Latin and Roman ideals came together within the Middle East, Arabic and Islam culture came together and it's not just talking about the language but we're talking about the religions the social structures in the western culture there's socialism and nationalism and all of those things coming together as well depending on what part of the world you're from you haven't been excused from this change and basically the difficulty also that comes along with trying to reconstruct and protect uh, an authentic culture. I'm not sure how relevant this is in a New Zealand context, but the context it gives in the book is the Indian context of, say, if you're trying to uh, protect the authentic Indian culture, there's actually multiple layers of legacy and empires within India that have impacted what we now see as its authentic culture. If they are wanting to protect that original culture, there have been so many layers of disruption within that that you would be removing much of much of the culture that exists today. Basically, the book has a perspective that I really appreciate and it says, whatever path we take to solve a, the thorny question of cultural inheritance... The first step is to acknowledge the complexity of the dilemma and to accept that simplistically dividing the past into good guys and bad guys leads nowhere. The future of humankind. So we've spoken about the scientific revolution, the things that have happened throughout that time, places being conquered. I don't think I've said the word colonization so much in my whole life. Looking forward, what has happened and are we any happier for it well with so much knowledge we've gained is that is that a good thing is knowledge power and this book brings up a quote that I thought was interesting not just in the context of humanity now but how we learn generally Uh, and it's from a man Francis Bacon and he wrote a manifesto which in which he said that he didn't agree with the quote, knowledge is power. The real test of knowledge, he says, is not whether it is true, but whether it empowers us. Scientists usually assume that no theory is 100% correct. Consequently, truth is a poor test for knowledge. The real test is utility. A theory that enables us to do new things constitutes knowledge. 
And I think that is something I don't fully understand yet, but I will grow to understand with time where like so much of the resource that is put into things we do today is as a result of, is it going to give us utility? Is it going to give us growth? Is it going to give us progress? So the only theories that we say are built in truth that we say give us knowledge are those that enable us to do new things. Maybe sometimes doing things the same way we've always done it is okay. Maybe sometimes science should explore things just for the sake of getting shit wrong and being unproductive, not because, not for its utility, which I don't know, that probably sounds like a stupid thing to say, but you might find out so much more within your lack of knowledge than you do in your breadth of knowledge. So is progress a good thing then? Well, the Europeans set out to progress society with their curiosity, with their desire for knowledge, and that led to some disastrous situations, many deaths of people. They created famines, they created discrimination against certain groups of humans, uh, but they also started so many of the progressive industries that have grown each individual human's capability so much more than they were previously and given us a system that works I'm not going to say well or terribly but it works we will continue talking about different topics that are under the umbrella of progress and development but I wonder if this sets sets a tone that perspective is really the only truth and it's not even true at all so many of us both benefit and suffer from the systems we live within and one of those systems is capitalism I was always one of those people that heard people say like shit on capitalism and be like fuck this capitalist society and you know when you listen to podcasts and I was always like I have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) like what actually is capitalism I just I do not get it. What do you mean? Like, what is this system that I'm living in? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't know. I've never thought about it because this has just always been the norm. And I would assume that so many of us. But reading this book, I finally figured out what capitalism is and how it impacts me. And I feel like I went on a roller coaster in this book thinking, yeah, capitalism is great. Oh, no, it's not. It's horrendous. Oh, is it? Well, no, no, it's bad. And there are so many parts within it. And one of those parts that brought us to the initial creation of what is capitalism is credit. So this is like loans or the idea of lending something now for a benefit later. You know, I feel we could also include investing within this idea, but we're starting with with credit. So let's just think of it as loans. It was previously never popular for people to use credit as it is now because no one actually believed in the prosperity of the future. And you can see why with what we've just spoken about. You know, it was a world full of cynics over optimists. They thought wealth was limited and it was a bad bet to think anything would improve in the future. An example the book uses is that of a a bakery. You know, the profits of a bakery, particular bakery might rise, but that's only at the expense of the bakery next door. Venice might flourish, but only by impoverishing Genoa. The King of England might enrich himself, but only by robbing the King of France. You could cut the pie in many different ways, but it never got any bigger. And that just spoke to the mindset of people back then that resources were limited and one resource gone from an, gone from you is going to another. And I think it's so interesting how even though 
things have changed magnificently in our Western business world, that mindset still exists completely. People hide business ideas at the risk of people stealing it or have a scarce money mindset. They see rich people as evil or believe that very toxic mentality, I want to say, of if you win, I lose and vice versa. I think so much of that might be the generational impacts that play into many negative outcomes today, not only within business but within culture generally racism is a good example of this uh if you've read any books around bias of white people and how how the mindset around racism commonly works you would know that often it comes as a result of insecurity of someone else getting a hand up when they're not right so if someone gets it gets help I'm not if they get held if they get support I'm getting pushed down and and the insecurities that come as a result of feeling like resources limited and so technically this mindset dates back thousands of years but as the idea of society progressing became more popular people believed that the future was bright uh, things were happening business would be good and that multiple people could succeed the use of credit increased in popularity as well and this was sort of where I see the start of capitalism form forming because it's where this obsession with progress and growth came about. So what is capitalism? Is it good or is it bad? You know, often I am so consumed and perplexed by why so much of business today is solely about profit and how it can blind people and leaders to ideas that create real impact and change Uh, but the thing is a capitalist society isn't concerned with blind curiosity and the potential for serendipity remember when we spoke about science and and theories and how it's all for progress as opposed to just finding something out or potentially being wrong you know a capitalist society is concerned with economic growth so capitalism is is economic growth it is investing back it's investing money back into something to make more money to have a bigger business to grow and to contribute to a growing evolving successful economy that's what capitalism is it's about growth it's about progress it's about bigger more etc and those themes carry throughout society culture in so many ways, ways you wouldn't even notice until you kind of learn more about it. So as I said, it's concerned with economic growth and for reasons that make sense. Why would we invest in something when the potential for it to benefit or to contribute to grow the existing society we live in is low? We still want a direction even though the Western world's roots are in exploration. It would be foolish to embark on a journey without some kind of goal, right? But when do the goals, these goals become so old and outdated that we think about it. You know, we think about capitalism and what it's creating for society and how concerned we are with growth and progress. When do we get to the point where we think, actually, maybe this should change. Is this the right way? Is this is this working for people? Is this making people any more content, happier, satisfied in their life? What do we actually need to be happier? Is it more? Because that's what we're told so constantly. But the thing is, if if we collectively decided oh yes, or some of us decided, which I guess some of us have, really, if you think about people who hate capitalist society and, you know, think we exist in this culture of mind washing and I guess it's it's like you, you can be on an extreme of hating 
capitalism and therefore you blame on the government who's kind of like the ruling system or body of most developed or I guess most nations in general so with this understanding means that there would need to be like a huge global uprising for anything to actually change it would cause a lot of unrest especially in in those developed and western societies I don't even know how you would go about changing that and I can completely see why that would upset a lot of people because you are in many ways forced to live within a culture that you fundamentally disagree with. If other societies like China began to have more power and resource then would their direction be different to the capitalist society we know today that has been that has evolved through the colonization of the British in in America and, and things like that. You know China might have a different direction if they suddenly become the most powerful nation in the world would it be better or worse considering their roots as we learned from the book earlier so I'm just raising questions and thoughts that to me have been brought around by this book we both struggle and benefit from the society we live in and I definitely don't think it's a problem that will be solved in my lifetime I think it's about working out how we're going to make that work for us in a way that we align with that we see as ethically correct Uh, if you disagree with some of the fundamentals of capitalism and what actually makes you happy, not what you've been told throughout your whole life is going to make you happy, what is actually going to make you happy. Other people will have no issue living within capitalism, they'll enjoy that system, they'll thrive in that system, they'll succeed in that system and that's just the way it is. Other people will have a horrible, horrendous experience in that system and I think the reason I don't resonate with a lot of the concepts is because often when we talk about what we give money to in this world what we give resource to what we give airtime to it comes with a question that is outlined in this book and they describe it as will this project enable us to increase production and profits will it produce economic growth or growth for our business growth for our ceo it's never like a thoughtful it's not often a thoughtful pursuit And that's something I've loved to do throughout having this podcast is try to find those people who are on that more thoughtful pursuit when it comes to business and growth and progress and what that means to them. And maybe the slower way is actually the happier way. We're all capitalists. If you invest, if you pay taxes, you're a capitalist. doesn't mean you have to agree necessarily with capitalism, but it's important to be aware of how that society impacts you, how it benefits you, how it hinders you as well. I don't know if a perfect system exists and I'm not really keen to blame anyone or anything. I just don't think that's productive or going to make me any healthier or happier. I just want to make sure that when I'm doing something, when I'm moving towards progress for me independently or for my community, that I'm doing it in a way that feels authentic and right and helpful but who has this growth actually benefited practically as well western nations in so many ways have benefited in terms of our opportunities our education our health care um, but then what about those societies that aren't as developed what's the point of growth and prosperity from a capitalist society if it only benefits those within that system and everyone else in the world struggles and we in many ways take advantage of those that don't live within that more developed culture. 
It also, the book gave me a completely different perspective on how capitalism as a structure has impacted the way we consume and the way we shop. This idea of progress and more and growth impacts all of those things as well, like relationships and dating apps and being able to essentially shop around for someone you like and having a much bigger pool of people to choose from creates this comparison trap and decision paralysis. Another perspective that I hear spoken about when it comes to capitalism and I suppose just society generally is people talking about how humans are innately greedy and selfish. But reading this book, I find that to be completely untrue if we look at history and at biology you know we were able to advance through our use of community myths and legends and religions which foster a shared belief and that community that wanting to be a part of something together work together really sits at the heart of the human spirit I would say the only thing that has made humans innately greedy and selfish is the introduction of capitalism where we kind of moved from this growth for an economy to growth for an individual or a certain group of a small group of people the gap between the rich and the poor grows and grows and grows every big company out there is trying to progress society and keep us as the top animal on the top of the food chain or whatever and continue to make us the ultimate species I mean we've already separated ourselves from animals so we're far from that you know a core focus around this progress and growth conversation is accessibility and making things easier for people we're trying to make life easier you know we moved from the agricultural revolution to the industrial revolution because it made things easier to produce more and we could service more people in a community we could grow our community if we had easy access to food and to crops but then that made people live a very stressed out life and parts of the world today where people are so unhappy in what they do for work and they have anxiety every Sunday because they don't want to go to work the next day but what if accessibility is a short-term solution that creates a long-term problem what if we've over engineered the world but then again what if we would just be unhappy no matter what and at least this way we can enjoy the opportunity to do so much more and have so much choice and that's a little bit about our obsession with growth and progress and I'm going to leave it there for that episode and finish off the last episode talking about happiness how we measure that how we can work towards a happier society a happier group of people a happier individual self-comparison satisfaction all as a result of what's happened in our history again guys thank you for listening to another part I know these are quite hectic as I warned you in the first episode that was going to be all over the show I also want to acknowledge that I am not an expert of obviously in any way this is me just processing something that I have learned and this is only one book you know I'm yet to read even more books on the history of humankind and develop these thoughts even further I also realize that I'm speaking about some topics that are emotional for a lot of people and for example as a white person talking about the impacts of colonization on people of color and in various nations like it's really not my place to to say how we solve that I only want to come from the perspective of empathy and compassion productivity in in the sense that I want to make sure at least me as an individual I'm only contributing to the positive development of, of those ongoing issues in our society 
I'd never want to come across like I'm trying to solve anyone's issues or speak on behalf of anyone. It really is just a processing of information myself and a desire to learn as much as I can and just stay informed really. So if you want to talk about anything I've spoken about, please reach out. My DMs are more than and always open. I look forward to having these conversations with you. But if not, I hope you quietly enjoyed this episode wherever you are. And we will speak next week in the final episode. I want to say finally. I've enjoyed this series. But I mean, I can imagine you're exhausted listening to such heavy topics. Um, In the final episode of this series, we'll talk then. Thanks, guys.